the Lord God Almighty reigns. Come on, sing it out. Hallelujah. Holy. Holy. Sing it out. Are you Lord God Almighty? And what is the name? Come on, sing it out. And what is the name? the word of the Lord today hear the word of the Lord today hear me today God is challenging us whether you're online or in this room that we not worship from our feelings but worship from our faith how many believe that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords I think that was about five or six of you. How many believe that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Awaker, can I get a hand wave? Come on. How many believe he's a way maker? How many believe that he brought you out? He's going to keep you out. So I don't worship him based on how I feel today. I worship him because I have faith that he is who he says he is. That he is God and God alone. That he is a way maker. That he is the doctor, the lawyer, the friend, the neighbor, the mother, the father. That he will, woo, he will be what you need him to be today. Come on, throw your hands in the air and worship him out of your faith today. Worship him out of your faith today. Not your feelings, but your faith. you father oh hallelujah hallelujah come on give the lord a hand clap of thanksgiving today for his presence oh come on thank you for his presence today hallelujah 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 oh yeah 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 hallelujah hallelujah we exalt. Come on, sing it. We exalt. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Because you're worthy, Jesus. We exalt me. Mm -hmm. We exalt me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands and talk to the Lord just for a moment. Just talk to Jesus. 
pour your heart out. Just see. Holy Ghost, let it come right now. That's it. Let God move in our presence right now. Hear the word of the Lord today. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The healing balm of Gilead is in this house today. His hand is here. Come on, reach out. Talk to the Lord. Speak to him. Be refreshed in your spirit. Let the Holy Ghost refresh you today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He sees you today. He has not forgot your name. You are valuable to Jesus today. He knows your name. He knows what you're facing, what you're going through. He loves you today. Hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 someone please hear the word of the Lord open your heart today God is wanting to speak to you today and I pray that you will receive the word of the Lord as I deliver it in Jesus name everybody say in Jesus name come on say that God open my heart come on to receive your word and to obey your word and everybody say amen Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and the Bible says and now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and the Lord if I say the Lord had prepared a what great fish to swallow Jonah you may be seated in the name of the Lord thank you for being here thank you to our guests for choosing to worship with us. We're so grateful that you're here and we pray that we can serve you here in the kingdom of God and help you grow in your spirit walk. Amen? Someone shout amen. How many are thankful that Jesus Christ loves us no matter what? Well, Sister Candace and Brother Dan need lots of love this morning. How many believe and know that Jesus loves me no matter what? Come on now. I'm going to look around and say, well, you should be clapping your hands and you should be clapping. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm so thankful the Lord loves me. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Last week, we talked to you about Jonah, a sign from Jonah. We heard the words of Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he said to them about them that after he had performed a miracle and made a deaf and mute man healed, they wanted it again show us a sign we are in a generation that has this same spirit I think every generation has this question is God real and if so show me a sign prove God and of course I don't have a problem proving God because he proves himself and in this moment Jesus looks at them and says you're a you're an adulterous generation. You are a perverse generation. You are a people that are seeking. And he said, you will never, right, see a sign except for this one sign. And that is the sign left to you by the prophet Jonah. 
So last week we went through chapter 1 in the book of Jonah and we learned a little bit about what Jonah did. We know that Jonah ran from the presence of God. We know that Jonah had a streak of rebellion that he thought he knew better than God. We knew and can find out that Jonah did not like the people that he was sent to. He was not in a, a, a right place. He had not repented. We can learn and find that Jonah finally understood that he was the problem with the storm. And he stopped running from the storm and he made those men or asked them to throw him overboard. And in verse 17 is where we find him. I told you last week that he was suspended above the air, in the air, between the ship and the water. He had no idea what was next. And yet, somehow, he knew that God was still with him. We can see that the Bible says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Imagine that God had this great fish following this little boat around the sea, waiting for Jonah to get thrown over. If you've ever been fishing and you fish with live worms, it's always fun to watch when you throw that worm out into a clear water and you can see those fish start moving towards that worm because we prepared a hook and a worm and they fell for it. Well, there was uh, this meal coming off this boat and this fish was lurking. He was waiting, not by his own liking, but by the hand of God. What seemed to be sudden disaster was sent by God. The Bible says in verse 17 that the great fish was sent there and prepared to what? Swallow Jonah. Now, I, I was going to try to show you a clip uh, of the kayaker that got swallowed by a giant whale in the Bay of San Diego a couple of years ago, actually a year ago. And uh, he was kayaking along and they were having whale watching and one of those whales uh, had come up out of underneath the deep and that thing engulfed that whole thing. It engulfed the kayak, it engulfed the, and it was, everybody was around, they were screaming and yelling and it was, uh, but, but the, the whale, of course, it, it just, is, it's a bale whale, it doesn't eat like people. <laughs> so it spit all of them out, right? But for a moment, the terrified moment, you can watch as these people panic as this giant whale begins to engulf that kayaker. In that moment, think about Jonah. Uh, it's pitch black out, it's dark, and he doesn't know. He feels the skim of, of that whale go, or that great fish run by his leg, and he's like, oh my. <laughs> uh, not something, how many uh, are afraid of things under the water that you cannot see? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? I've never seen people move so fast that when you're standing in the ocean and there's something that rubs up against your leg, my friends, you can move faster than you think. You can swim faster than you think. And it's in those moments of terror. Well, imagine being engulfed. Imagine seeing the jaws as they went around you. Imagine the terror. But yet God sent it to swallow him. What God sent was never meant for harm. Look at your neighbor and say, God will never harm me. Come on, say it. Come. You say, Pastor, how, how, how is that true? How I, I see things all around me. And the story here is, is kind of proving that God allowed this to come. Well, God never intended for this to be a harm. It seemed like a harm. Hear me today. It looked like harm. It felt like harm. But it was not harm. It was salvation. Say salvation. 
So when you read this verse closely, Jonah thought he was dead, but God had a purpose and a plan for the fish and for Jonah. It all hinged on what Jonah did after he was swallowed. You see, he either became fish food or continued to be a prophet. He either became what he was angry and bitter, didn't want to go, couldn't stand the people, and God would have allowed that to consume him because of his bitterness and his anger. Or he could take a moment and realize, I need to repent. How many know in your life that there's times that you just need to repent? I said that you need to repent. You know you're wrong. You don't want to admit it. You don't want to say it out loud. But you know you just need to repent. We find that the Bible tells us in the last half of verse 17, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish. How many? What? Three days and three nights. Uh, There was not a little note left inside of the belly of the whale that said, you will be here three days and three nights. Jonah had no idea how long he had been in the belly of that fish. Jonah, I'm sure, felt like it was six months, I promise you. Have you ever gone through a trial and you feel like you're the only one going through that trial and you feel like it's lasted longer than it should and you wonder why it's taking so much time for God to show up in your doorstep? Come on now, somebody. We've all been there. Jonah had no idea that it would be three days and three nights. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was in the dark, not only figuratively, but but in, in a way that he did not know what was happening in the next moments. We can, see, we can see that it had to just feel like forever. But God knew. Everybody shout, God knew. How, did, how about Pastor, how did God know it was going to be? Because he prepared the fish. His hand never left Jonah. He prepared the fish and he prepared. It's going to be three days and three nights. It's here that we can learn to trust God in our trials. It's here that we can learn to know that I might not see what I want to see or feel what I want to feel, but if God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me, I'm going to take that to the bank and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad that you're here with me today. It's in these moments that our trial comes. You don't need faith unless you have to use it. You don't need faith unless you have to exercise it. And here Jonah had to go back into his days as a prophet and remember the things that he had said to others and watch God move on their behalf. It was here that Jonah did something that we all should do. So how many of you here want to get out of the belly of that fish that swallowed you? How many want to get through that trial that you feel like is eternal? How many want to get out of that feeling of chaos inside your heart where you are pinned between what is right and what is wrong? Can I tell you something? Sin, unrepented sin, will bring the most misery when you are a child of God because God will never quit trying to get you to turn from that sin. It will be a place of pure misery why because you asked God to save you you said you wanted him to give you new life and life more abundantly and so he says because of that you're my child and you may go wayward but I'm gonna run after you with my mercy I'm gonna show you grace that you don't deserve I'm going to give you a fish to swallow you I'm gonna give you a fish to swallow you I don't want to fish. I'm going to give you a car accident to remind you. 
Oh, pastor, that sounds terrible. No, no, no. He's going to allow some things. I didn't say he's going to kill you. I'm, a, I'm talking about a fender bender. I'm talking about a wake-up call. I'm talking about those moments where you, ah, oh, now someone talk to me. Uh, I'm talking about those moments where you go, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I'd be. Have you ever narrowly missed somebody at a red light? Have you ever been through something that you feel like, oh man, if that would have been three inches or two inches or a foot that way, I don't know what would have happened. God sometimes sends things, prepares things for us in allowance, not because he's mad at us, not because he hates us, not because he's not a good God, but because he loves us and he wants to save us and he wants to give us new life and life more abundantly. I'm talking to people that know the name of Jesus. I'm talking to you today as saints of God. You have chosen Christ and he has chosen you. You have said to him, I want you to be my father. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And when you do that, you give him permission to save you. I think people get mad at God uh, unduly. I think that they get, well, why would God allow this? No, no, no. It wasn't that God allowed it. It's that you prayed a prayer that allowed him to come and save you. Did you hear what I just said? In this moment, I don't like what I'm preaching as well. I don't like what I'm saying to you because I would love to stand up here and say that everything is peachy and wonderful. We live happily ever after, but that's not the human experience. That's not what goes on in our daily life because you know why? We were born in sin and in sin we were conceived. We are in a place where when we are born, we are sinners and needing the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I've got good news. He loves you and he wants to save you and he has a gift for you. In this moment, Jonah had a lot of choices. When you think God has forgot you and you can't see why or where or what's going on in the situation do what Jonah did everybody shout start praying I'm amazed at the people that don't pray <sighs> someone say amen I'm a pastor and I do a lot of work in places and I'll say so have you been praying about this well no not really you want me to pray for it right I got news for you I can pray over you but you've got to pray yourself out of this situation uh, I'm going to just preach just a minute here, just a second. You see, I can pray over you, and I do, and I pray God's protection and his guidance and his help, and I pray his deliverance. Listen to me carefully when I tell you that I cannot pray you out of your situation. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to pray yourself. Jonah had to pray himself. It's here that we learn that Jonah began to cry out. The Bible says in, in verse 1 of Jonah chapter 2, and Jonah prayed to the Lord from, to, uh, fr uh, to the Lord his God, where? From where? Inside the fish. He didn't wait until he got out to pray. <laughs> he didn't wait to get better to pray. He didn't wait till everything was cooled off to pray. No, he found himself in a situation where he didn't know what to do and it was helpless and he began to immediately start praying. Someone shout pray. Uh, on day one he prayed and he started with the poor me prayer and he ended with remembering the truth of God's love. He says in verse 2, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. By the way, Jonah, you were the one that ran from the presence of God. So this is your great trouble. It's interesting. The Bible says, and he answered me. Can I tell you something? When you cry out to God, he will answer you. 
I called to you, the Bible says, from the land of the dead. Woo, sounds serious. In the King James, it says uh, Sheol or hell. He, he cried out from a place that was pure hell. And Lord, you heard me. I want you to think about this. He, he had not been with God. He was running from God. God had spoke to him way back, but now he's claiming God has spoke to him in the belly of this fish. Watch this. But Jonah... How do you know God heard you? Well, verse 3 said, you threw me into the ocean depths. He keeps going on this, this moment of, of, of feeling totally lost. I sank down to the heart of the sea and the mighty waters, they engulfed me. And I, buried, I was buried beneath your wind and stormy waves. But somewhere in verse 4, he finds himself. And then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. I find this phrase interesting when we know that twice in the first chapter that the Bible says and, and, jo and Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord. In Tarshish, he ran from the presence of God. It's interesting to me that we began to see some things differently once we've been in this place, right? Jonah was trying to blame it on somebody. In my heart, I feel like he was trying to say, Lord, you've got to get me out of here. You put me here. And so you've got to, no, no, Jonah, you put yourself there. God prepared a fish. He knew you were going to need the fish. But you put yourself there. Don't blame God for what you put yourself in. Too many times we spend so much time of our human energy with our own feelings. I'm guilty. You're guilty. I am chief among this particular issue. Uh, when we let our feelings dictate our prayers. Hear me today. God is a God of faith. Uh, he's not a God. He does not respond uh, to the things that we might think he responds. You can't threaten God and him come respond. Uh, you can't tell God that you're... No, oh, no, no. He said, oh, well, you've driven me from your prayers presence yet he wakes up and says uh, I will look once more toward your holy temple I want you to think about something how can he look toward the holy temple uh, because uh, Jonah understood that God is everywhere at all times in all places uh, he could not see he was in the belly of a fish uh, but there was a moment where he realized uh, I've got to get my mind because in my mind I can take myself to the presence uh, of God I can let my mind be in the bit I can let my mind go in the sea and drownings and all the bad or I can take my mind back to the presence of the Lord I can take my mind to the temple of the most high where are you taking your mind where are you allowing yourself in the midst of your great trial to go what is it that is bringing you to a place where the decisions that you have made and I have made uh, brought us to these moments. Uh, God is not trying to destroy you. Uh, he loves you. Uh, he died on Calvary for you. Uh, but He's trying uh, to save you uh, from yourself. He's trying to help you. We find on day two that in verse five, he goes back to, I sank beneath the waves. In, in, in verse four, he was back looking to the holy uh, temple of the Lord. In verse five, he gets back into this place where I sank beneath the waves and the water closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Verse six, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains and I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. Boy, that 
that sounds pretty bad. He was just talking about taking himself to a, a glorious place of God's temple. But there was a fleshly part of him, his feelings, his desperation, his panic that took him right back to a place where he said, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I can't help. I don't know what I'm going to do. But then he says in verse 6, part B, he says, but you... Oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. He just got talking about how the gates were going to be shut forever. And he was under those gates and imprisoned in those gates. But now he wakes up to another moment where he says, No, wait, wait, I've got to remember what God has done for me. And he says, But Lord, you snatched me from the jaws of death. No pun intended, but Jaws had already swallowed him. And he was already declaring that I'm free from these Jaws. I'm free from this. I'm going to speak life into this. I'm going to let myself not be drawn into the bars under the sea and the gates shutting forever. I'm going to pick myself back up again. Come on now. Some of us need to get ourselves into a place. Yes, we're fighting things. Yes, we're going through trials. Yes, we're going through tribulations. Uh, have you ever felt like in the middle of your tribulation, another tribulation? comes uh, and in the middle of that tribulation it seems like there's another something that comes uh, and you feel overwhelmed and you feel uh, covered up you feel like Jonah did in the depths of the sea uh, I'm going to challenge you today I want you to say but God uh, you have uh, you have uh, snatched me from the jaws of death but God you have snatched me from the jaws of the Oh, I wish somebody to help me preach just a little bit. From the situation that I find myself, I serve a God that's able when I can't see, when seaweed is wrapped around my head, when I can't breathe, when I can't smell, when I can't know what's going on. I don't know what day it is, but I do know that I serve a God that can take me out of this situation. Someone shout amen. Uh, on that third day, I believe in verse 7, it starts as my life was slipping away. <laughs> I remembered the Lord. Come on, someone shout it. I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. I remembered what he'd done for me. I remember where he brought me from. I remember his promises are sure and amen. He said he'd never leave me for, for, nor forsake me. So when I'm in the belly of a great fish, guess what? He is there. When I'm in hell, guess what? He is there. When I'm in the midst of my trial, he is there. I may not feel him, but I have faith by his word that he will show up and show out in my life. I may feel sick, but I know God is with me. I may feel like I'm oh drowning and going off but i have a promise from god i know how to get out of the belly of this fish i know how i got here i know that i ran from god's presence but i also know how to pray i know how to repent i know how to say lord i will say yes to your will and to your way i do know how to get out of the belly no i know how to get out of this belly i'm going to tell you something today you know how to get out of your trial and your tribulation you know how to get where you need to go in God. The question is, will you have the human fortitude? Will you have the human spirit to say, I have got to get myself in a prayer room. I have got to repent before God. And I have got to change the direction of my life. That 
is how you get out. Watch this. The scripture says that rebellion is as the what? Sin of witchcraft. Don't you think about this. False gods are witchcraft. Idols are witchcraft in the scriptures. We find in verse 8 it says, Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercy. I don't believe in the belly of that fish he was talking to some people out there. I believe all of this prayer and preaching was right to himself because he had rebelled against God and it was dawning on him that I don't deserve his mercies because I set up a rebellion that says of the sin of witchcraft and I might as well have been worshiping an idol in my life because I let somebody or something take dic dictation over my walk with God. I have a place where I need to be. I've got to remove my rebellion because the mercies of God are connected to that worship. It's here that we look and see that it was all of these things. He had done these things, but in his moment of seaweed around his head and in that particular place, that bottom of that fish's belly, he chose mercy. Everybody shout, he chose mercy. Mercy, mercy. You say, Pastor, I need God's mercy. No, you need to choose God's mercy. Because his mercy, the psalmist writes, endures for what? Ever. And it's to what? Every generation. It's not, listen, God's mercy was purchased for you on Calvary. It still flows from that old rugged cross. Mercy is not something you need God to re-pour out. It's still flowing. It never stopped. What you and I have to do is to get in the place where we can receive His mercy. It was here that He says, I've got to stop worshiping idols. I've got to start proclaiming the Word of God and following the Word and obeying the Word and doing the Word. That's what I've got to do. I've got to get out of the belly of this fish. So Jonah comes to a place in his life in verse 9 that I think that is the essence of my message today. Today I want you to take this away. If you're online watching, I pray that you will receive this and write this down because I think it will change your life if you'll learn these things. In the belly of that fish, all his moaning and groaning and yet remembering God's goodness, he comes to a place where he does this in verse 9. He says this, but I will, everybody shout, I will. Here's the issue. This is the first time we hear him say this. There's a part, a part of your life that you have to come to. There's a, there's a place in your life you have to come to where you say, I will. Everybody shout, I will. I will. See, God can, all, God can do all kinds of things, but he can't do what you won't let him do. I will. Someone shout, I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. That means I've got to get up. That means I've got to put the effort in. That means I've got to do the things I need to do. That means I've got to act on my knowledge. That means I need to pray for understanding. It means I need to walk in wisdom. It, hello? So many of us know what to do, but we refuse to get off the couch long enough to do it. Spiritual couch, I'm talking. A place where we just lounge out and hope God takes care of us. I'm here to preach that we are living in a time. The time of God is here. He is here. His world, uh, our world is coming to a place where we understand it's the last days. And I know that we've heard this for generations, but the signs of the time are so great. I don't know how he cannot come. 
It's in these moments that we must learn, I will. I'm going through a trial, a tribulation. I'm going through an issue, something I can't get through. It seemingly is sinking me. It seemingly is something I, I fall in every single day. I fall down and I pray and ask God to forgive me, but it seems like there's just a constant. There's a constant nagging at the knocking of the door of my soul and I don't know what to do. Yes, yes, you do know what to do. You know how to get out of the belly of that fish. The issue is, will you? I will offer sacrifices to you. Listen, with what? Songs of thanksgiving and praise. I will. Listen to me carefully, and I'm going to close. Listen to me carefully. We so many times offer sacrifices. How many know that... God loves a, a, a wonderful sacrifice to him. Amen? You say, Pastor, you, yes, we sacrifice in all kinds. We sacrifice our living sacrifice. We live out our lives to him. We, we sacrifice in our talent, our time, our money. We sacrifice things, right, to the Lord. We give them freely. But do we give them freely? Paul writes and says, when you're talking about giving of money, do it out of a cheerful heart. Because if you do it angrily, it's no good. It doesn't matter. It, you might as well not have given it at all. And this is the same type of understanding that there is got to be a willfulness. There's got to be a praise inside of you. John Jonah decided that he was not going to, look, give a sacrifice out of, okay, fine, I'll give my sacrifice, whatever you want, God. I know you didn't want, I don't like those people, and I'm, okay, I'll give my, no, 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 Jonah said, I'm going, I'm in the belly of this fish, <laughs> and I'm going to get my act right, and I'm going to get my attitude right, and I'm going to get myself right, and I'm going to say, Lord, I, I'm going to give you sacrifice, and I'm going to do it with praise. I'm going to do it with thanksgiving. I'm going to do it with a cheerful heart. Why? Because God loves a cheerful heart. God loves a thankful heart. And in this moment, we have to decide. You want to get out of the belly? Stop moaning about your sacrifice. And start praising God for your sacrifice. Start giving God glory for your sacrifice. Think about this. Giving, listen enjoying sacrifice thanksgiving for it's like an oxymoron in the sentence it's like two words that should not appear i'm gonna i'm gonna give thanksgiving for sacrifice that doesn't sound right it doesn't humanly sound correct and in our human spirits it doesn't sound correct but in the spirit world in the world that jesus christ is the king uh, in the place of the kingdom he says give your sacrifice with praise and thanksgiving it's here that he learned i've got to do what God has called me to do, but with what? Thanksgiving and praise. And then he says, and I will fulfill all of my vows. And the King James says, and I will pay all of my vows. What is he saying? He's saying that the things I commit to in this stomach of this fish, I'm actually going to go do. God knows the intent of our heart. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Can you say amen? Do you know that God knows all, is all, right? He's before you and he's behind you. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He is in a place where he knows what you're going to do tomorrow. In this moment, God had to assess the heart. It's not about words. It's about your heart. It's not, it starts with words, but it has to end up in your heart. God, I'm going to give you a vow. I will go to Nineveh. I will preach your gospel. I will go. And God said, okay. I received that. 
he sacrificed with thanksgiving he said i will fulfill he in other words submits his will to the will of god and then he says this finally for my what salvation what comes from the lord what alone he recognized in the belly of that whale that fish he recognized in that moment by the way it wasn't very hard for him to recognize this because he was at you know maybe four or five hundred feet under the ocean in the belly of a fish and couldn't see a thing and had seaweed wrapped around his head but he said I understand there has to come an understanding in every person's life that I cannot save myself from this trial and tribulation and disease myself I have got to what I've got to be thankful in my sacrifice I've got to what pay my vow in other words fulfill do what I say I'm gonna do and thirdly I've got to recognize I can't say, Lord I, you it's totally on you I am totally in your hands so what did he do he said I will offer sacrifices with Thanksgiving and praise can the, our worship team come I will what pay and fulfill all my vows to the Lord Thirdly, I will declare God is my only hope, my only way out, my promise, my better tomorrow, my Lord, my King, my Savior. He's my all in all. It was in those three things. Watch this. When he finally got, for nine verses, when, when Jonah finally got to pray that prayer, when Jonah finally got done moaning and complaining about how he was dying and the earth is under, he's underneath the earth and the mountains and the sea and the gates have shut upon him and all those terrible, horrible things that he in his flesh knew might very well be true. But he had to look above his flesh. Come on now. You have to look above what you're feeling. I said it already this morning. You got to look above what you're experiencing. Why? Because in this moment, in this moment, uh, Jonah needed something miraculous. He needed supernatural. He needed not normal, but he. And sometimes you have to act uh, in a way that God knows you're ready for a miracle. That you have to declare, I will be well. I am healed. I will get more money. I will get a better job. My children will see themselves in God's house I, I will be saved I will because there's something inside of you that you have to say I will it's not up to God now it's up to me because if I don't get up and go do it then God can't help me we blame so much on God when God is saying come on get up come on let's go I'm ready I've got it all planned I've got I've got a fish prepared let me close so for nine verses he laments and in verse nine he finally surrenders everybody shout surrenders and watch what it says in verse 10 watch watch here on the screen then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach mm. <laughs> The King James says vomited out on the beach your deliverance will be messy it'll stink but you better endure it because your vomit fish vomit is way better than fish belly in the middle of the ocean and sometimes we get God deliverance and we complain because he didn't deliver us with a Rolls Royce 
a full bank account and all of our bills paid and all the stuff fixed. No, you got yourself into those messes. God's not promised to get you out of those. He's promised you to get you into a spiritual place that you can be a better manager of those things. Amen. So what happened? Then the Lord. So I want you to remember, right? Verse 17, the first verse I wrote, read to you, what did it say? And the Lord, what? Prepared the fish. In verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, what? And the Lord, what? Ordered the fish. <laughs> Some of you under the sound of my voice, either online or in this room, you are so angry because you have been through so much. The last couple years have taken so much from you and so much out of you and you're angry if you really boil it down you're still angry you don't know who to be angry at and so it ends up being angry at God and what you thought was going to kill you God meant for it to what save you and you're in the belly of a whale you're in the belly of a fish you're in the belly of your problem your issue the thing that you're going through your sin that has so easily beset you you're in the belly and you don't know how to get out because that sin has brought darkness and confusion. That sin has brought things in your life you didn't know was coming. And now you need to get out. I need to, someone shout, I need to get out. I need to get out. I've got to get out because I'm not designed to live in the belly of a fish. I'm designed to praise him on the beach. Are you hearing me, somebody out there? I'm designed to go and do what God called me to do and preach the gospel and see people say, I'm not designed to be an amphibian under the ocean in the belly of a fish. God prepared the fish and when watch this and when Jonah got his heart right God ordered the fish if you're here under the sound of my voice and you say pastor what you're saying today is hit me square in the heart what you're really looking for is for God to order your fish he prepared the fish, and you don't like it, neither did Jonah, neither do I, by the way. The vehicle by which he saves us is not our choice, it's what he chooses. But I, I want God to start directing that fish. It was all dependent on the choice of Jonah. What would Jonah do? Well, he repented. I close with this, this last verses hear me today because I really feel like there's some people in this house that are getting what I'm preaching about and you need God to order your fish you're in there he prepared it not to kill you but to save you but now you're in limbo and you need God to move on your behalf in Acts 26 and 14 we find the Apostle Paul recalling his Damascus journey to King Agrippa Paul recalls what happened earlier in Acts on his way to persecute more Christians, to be a Judaizer. And, and we find that Paul was knocked down by a great light on his way, on his Damascus road. He was knocked down and he fell. The Bible says in verse 14, and, and we all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Arabic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight 
against my will. Let me say it again. It is useless for you to fight against my will. Paul says in verse 50, Who are you, Lord? I ask, and the Lord replied, I am Jesus. Oh, in case you want to know who he is, he's Jesus. The one that you persecuted. Now get to your feet. Someone shout, get to your feet. <laughs> he didn't say, I want you to do so many this and that. I want you to stay there and repent and do it. No, he said, get to your feet. Why? Because I have a job for you, Paul. I have something for you to do, and I don't have time for you to wall around for three days and three nights and want to figure, oh God, I'm so bad, I'm so, oh, but you're good. No, no, I need you to get up because there is a world lost that needs to hear about me. He says, watch this, now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as uh, my servant and witness. But I just killed some people that follow you. I don't care because my call is greater. My call is greater than your past sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you shall be forgiven. Stop carrying old sins that God has forgiven you. Stop walking around saying, oh, I've done it. I can't do nothing for God because look what I did when I was 18 or 12 or 15 or 43. It does not matter. When God says, I forgive you, He wants you to get up from that place and start serving Him. How many believe that this morning? Tell people that you have seen me and tell them that I will show you what I will show you in the future. Verse 17, and I, here it is, and I, what, will rescue you. Brother Carl, man of God, Paul is in the belly of a fish. He's betwixt, he's been blinded, he doesn't know why. I'll tell you why, because Paul's blindness was Jonah's fish. Well, blinded, that's not very nice. That's fine, but no, but God wanted to save Paul, so he, he blinded him knowing that the end justified the means, that he would work it all out, that he would take care of it, that his sight would be better than it ever was. Here in this moment, you have to realize it's not just in the Old Testament in Jonah, but we find Paul, the apostle, the great one that has gone through the same thing that you and I are going through. We were, no, it's unfair. I can't believe I'm blinded. I can't see, but God wants to save you. God is trying trying to move you I will rescue from both your own people and the Gentiles and yes I am sending you to people you hate the Gentiles sounds like Jonah doesn't it? getting sent to the Ninevites who he hated the Bible says in verse 18 to open their eyes it's interesting he couldn't open his eyes but he was sending them to the Gentiles so they could open their eyes Woo. Don't resent your blindness when God wants to work a miracle through you and have others see. Hmm. Watch this. So they may turn from what? Darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive what? Forgiveness for their sins and will give, be given a place among what? God's people who are what? Set apart by faith in me. Not by feelings, but by faith. Who am I talking to today? Jonah ran, Paul ran, and God said, I know your hearts, and so therefore I'm going to send a fish. I'm going to allow blindness to come, temporary 
in its moment, but you don't know that. I know that. You don't know it's three days and three nights, but I know it's three days and three nights. There's an issue here. What will you do in that blindness? What will you do? Paul found himself going to a street called Straight and finding a prophet, a man of God, who prayed over him and his sight came back. And he went from that place and evangelized the known world. Why? Because there was an epiphany. Jonah got up from that place and off the beach and went and preached the gospel to Nineveh. And all the Ninevites were saved. And God used him mightily despite his disobedience. Despite Paul making murder against the Christians, God said, I'm going to use you to evangelize the known world. Do not let your past dictate your future in Jesus. Do not allow the issues that have come, the issues that even plague you now, to take you away from the presence of God. No, his mercies endureth forever. And it's to every generation. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. God has prepared a fish but then he's got to speak to that fish and direct that fish. Both men had to go from where they were to where God had told them. Both had to repent and turn. Who, is, I'm, who am I talking to today? <laughs> Jesus. The Lord told me today in my prayers, this is a meat and potato sermon. You know what a meat and potato sermon is? We never finish all of our meat and potatoes. There's always some in the fridge on Monday morning. You know why? Because I get up on Monday afternoon and I heat that gravy and I heat those potatoes or that rice and I put that all wonderful roast back on top of that and I have dinner again because sometimes seconds are just better. You know what I'm saying? Seconds are just, just something about, oh, I just got, and in this house today, God is trying to speak to some of you and say, I'm not done with you. I'm not, it's not over. Your trial is not the definition of your life. Your issue is not, the disease that you're fighting is not going to define who you are in me. Get up. Get up from where you're at. Get up from that beach. Get up out of that belly of that fish because you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Stand with me today in Jesus' name. How many feel that way today? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Oh yeah. Who am I talking to today? If the Lord has pricked your heart and you feel to move towards God, I want you to take a step of faith. This is just a place. God will meet you in your chair. God will meet you in your car. God will meet you wherever you're at. But I'm going to just encourage all of you. If you have something you need to bring to the altar today, if you have a place that you say, God, I'm tired of being in the belly of this fish. God, I'm tired of going through the things that I don't understand and being resentful and angry. Come on, somebody respond to the Word of God today. God wants something from you today. He wants you to submit to Him. You want, uh, He's ready to hear you say, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice with thanksgiving. Uh, he's waiting on you to say, I'll pay my vows which I have vowed. He's wanting to hear you to declare, the Lord is my Savior and Him alone are the only one.
that can save my soul. Come on, let God minister today. Come on, wherever you're at, come on. Oh, yeah, hot up in this I'm not here for blessing, Lord. Come on, take a step of faith today. I feel like somebody needs to respond to God. Come on, take a step of faith. Come on. If you don't want to walk forward, just lift your hands where you're at right now. Just come on, that's it. Let God talk to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm on your time, Lord. I'm on your will, Lord. Father. Ah, yes, Lord. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 